There we go. How's that? Okay, so our lesson is going to be <laughs> looking at the book of Numbers, chapters 13 and 14. So we'll start in chapter 13. And the topic for tonight, if you want to put the topic in, is who, um, what captain wants to take you back to Egypt? Let's put it that way. What captain wants to take you back to Egypt? So, we know we don't want to go back to Egypt, right? <laughs> uh, we'd rather go to heaven than go to Egypt. <laughs> but we ain't going to heaven until it's time. So, okay. So, I'm going to talk to you about this. Oop, I just crushed the cap that goes on this. Sorry about that. So... <laughs> Um, I'm going to talk to you about this because without realizing it, you might very well be putting your life in bondage slowly and not realizing what's happening. It's happening one event at a time. So it's not like you're handing yourself over like this. It's happening when you make one decision at a time and then it accumulates and the devil comes and says well you've given me permission to do all these things and when you really look at it you realize oh yeah i did but i really wasn't saying yes to that but it doesn't matter you ever got a phone call from the telemarketers and they always say your our call will be recorded for um training purposes it's not being recorded for training purposes it's being recorded to catch you say yes to anything so if they decide to sell you something and send it in the mail and then bill you for it, then they will play back the recording that says we have on record that you said yes. So don't ever say anything yes. The first thing they do is ask you your name, and of course that's you're going to say yes. I just hang up. Because most of the time now it's a recording anyway. <laughs> so, um, so you want to know the wiles of the enemy and Paul was telling the people in the New Testament, I wouldn't have you to be ignorant of the wiles of the enemy, right? So let this story is very well known, so we'll go to that. So in Numbers chapter 13, we'll start from verse 1. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am going to give for, to the sons of Israel, from each of their father's tribes, you shall send a man, every one, a leader among them. So God was asking Moses to send these spies. Moses didn't come up with this himself. I posted a funny thing on Facebook, and I said, now we know the problem of why we had this issue. The men went to spies. <laughs> when, Jesus got, when, Jesus, when Jesus rose again, the women were the ones who shared the first message just one of those men women jokes that's all <laughs> nothing to read into here <laughs> so so from each of their father tribes you shall send a man every one a leader among them so moses sent spies from the wilderness of Paran, and uh, and the command at the command of the lord all of them men who were heads of the israelites these were their names and then it goes through and it names all of their names and which tribe they belong to okay so we're going to skip down uh 17 
So verse 17 says, Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, so when, first of all, God gave Moses an instruction, right? So Moses' boss is God. He gave, the, he gave Moses instruction. Now these men, uh, Moses didn't pick the men. He just like wanted a leader from the tribe. So the, the, lead, the tribe sent their leaders, okay? Now they're all gathered together and, he, and Moses is giving them the instruction. He's telling them specifically what he would like. It wasn't like a free-for-all. Right, it, there were specific instructions. So there, there was nothing vague about this instruction. It was very precise. And they had specific intelligence that they needed to gather. Okay? So he said, go up this way into the Negev. He even said where to go. He Then go up into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak. He wasn't asking this question for the sake of should we go in or not. It, should, it was how much manpower do we need and how much military, you know, like what do we need? If they're strong, we need something different than if they're weak. Okay? Few or many, how many are there? And whether the land in which they live is good or bad, and whether the cities in which they live are open camps or fortifications. So are they out in the open or are we talking buildings here that are, you know, barred up? And what the land is, whether it is fat or productive or lean, whether there's timber on it or not, make an effort to get some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied the land. So I thought it was interesting that when God told Moses for them to go spy the land, it was in the time where the land would have shown its best because it was harvest time. So they would have had a good indication of what this land could produce for them. There was nothing about this land that showed it to be bad for them. Okay? God sent them at the time where they could, be, they could see the vision of what he is going to give to them, which should have indicated a time of rejoicing. Okay, so, um, okay, verse 21, so they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness to Rehob, you know, all that. When they had gone up to the Negev, the south country, they came to Hebron and blah, blah, blah. Verse 22, then they came to the valley of Eshkol, which is the, also known as cluster of grapes. And from there cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes, and they carried it on a pole between two of them with some of the pomegranates and the figs. So the land is so fruitful that they had to have two people carry it, which we all see the storybook drawings and all this stuff. Okay. Now they're in a place that actually grows stuff. They're living in a wilderness that doesn't. Right? So it wasn't like... This land was kind of close to what they already have, so it's take it or leave it. It's no big deal. Like, if we switch, it's not a big deal. It's not going to be that much of an upgrade. Okay, we're talking, this is a major upgrade, okay, where they actually have a variety of fruits versus manna every day. Think about it. This wasn't an even thing here. This was majorly different, okay? So... So then let's go to verse 25. 
When they returned from spying out the land at the end of 40 days, they were living in the lap of luxury for 40 days. <laughs> they were not eating manna. Think about this. For 40 days, 12 leaders of the children of Israel enjoyed regular food. Even it was fruit. They ate off the land that they were going to have for 40 days. Uh, while their compadres are eating manna. <laughs> okay? And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh and brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the land's fruit. So they brought evidence <laughs> of harvest. They have the evidence of harvest in front of them. Yet, this is their report. They reported to Moses and said, we went into the land where you sent us and it certainly does flow with milk and honey and this is its fruit. And that's as good as it got. But, <laughs> the people who live in the land are strong and the cities are fortified that means they're walled in and very large moreover we saw there the descendants of Anak which are the people of the great stature and courage which would be giants the Hittite the Jebusite and the Amorite live in the hill country and the Canaanites live by the Dead Sea and along the side of the Jordan then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession of it, for we will certainly conquer it. Okay? So which report do you think would have been more suitable to where God was telling them they were going to go? I think it would be Caleb, wouldn't it? But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people of Canaan for they are too strong for us. Now, he, they're just listing one set of people, right? The people of Canaan, they're, they're too strong for us. We can't go up there. I'm going to sit for this. Is that going to mess up the camera? Uh, uh, so they gave the Israelites a bad report about the land, which they had spied out saying, the land through which we went in spying it out, is a land that devours its inhabitants. Now, honest to God, <laughs> the fact that there were people there, that's a lie. There were people there. <laughs> when did the land devour them in 40 days? Like, they were there. <laughs> and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. So they didn't see any women there at all. They just saw the men. The tall men. They saw the tall men. <laughs> there we saw the Nephilim. The sons of Anak are part of the Nephilim. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. So now they're speaking for people who devour the land, the land devours. They're speaking not just for them, how they see themselves. They're saying how these tall, big people see them. 
Mind you, I highly doubt they had a conversation because they were in such fear. I don't think they were sitting down having dinner with the giants. Okay? Let's go to the next chapter. So here we have leaders that are telling the people they lead how inadequate they are to take what God said is theirs. Okay? Numbers 14. Then all the congregation of Israel raised their voices and cried. They cried out. And the people wept that night. (laughs) All the Israelites murmured in discontent against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, Oh, that we had died in the land of Egypt, or that we had died in this wilderness. Anything but going into a promised land. (laughs) Why is the Lord bringing us to this land of Canaan to fall by the sword? Our wives and children will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said one to another. Let us appoint a new leader and return to Egypt. Do you see the problem there? This is in the Amplified Version, right? The New Living... um, said, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. The King James says, um, let us make a captain and let us return to Egypt. So they considered what Aaron and Moses, what Moses and Aaron did for them, getting them out of slavery from 430 years of slavery. They were behind by 30 years because when God spoke to Abraham about them being in in slavery, it was, he said, 400 years. So for 30 years, somebody in the group didn't get the message of what God had said to their ancestors. And so for 430 years, they were in bondage. Okay. And here comes a deliverer who gets them out of it in miraculous style, operating by the power of God without any question whatsoever, okay? In the wilderness, they have food, water, and their clothing is fine. They have, they're full of wealth because they plundered the Egyptians of their wealth. By the way, the tabernacle that was built in the wilderness in today's money would be $7 billion dollars. So in today's time, if they had plundered in today's time, they would have had money more than seven billion among them because they brought too much. It cost seven billion, but they had brought more than what they needed, right? Now, they had so much more. They had enough to make a golden calf to worship. 
Do you see how these people, this was wilderness living. This was not the promise. This was wilderness living. And they're murmuring and complaining amongst themselves from the, the report that they listened to. Right in front of them was presented two reports. The report from the ones who say we are grasshoppers and the report from the ones who said, the one who said, let's go right now. We can do this. And the whole camp decided to think and cry all night. And that wasn't the worst part. They now started attacking the leader, the leaders that God had lead them out of bondage. By the way, the leaders they listened to were the ones who were keeping them in bondage in Egypt. They never did anything for them. They were still their leaders in Egypt. Right? They did nothing for them. This new leader that God sent, Moses, who had some issues, so Aaron came along, and uh, they still murmured and grumbled and complained against him. You see how the devil steals from you. They saw what they could have. And seeing what they could have triggered them and their inferiority complex. The Bible notes of Caleb that he had a different spirit. He was with them the whole time. Where did he get that spirit from? Why didn't they have that spirit? But think about the journey. They were constantly complaining about what they didn't have, how much Moses brought them out there to to make them suffer. Like, seriously. Moses was named the meekest man on earth. There is a very good reason why. For real. Think about it. Right? So I'm talking to you today about who who is being chosen among you to be your captain to take you back to Egypt. Because it means that they're causing you to not listen to the leader God has put in your life for freedom. And and so you know that starts happening when you start murmuring and complaining against the leader. That's like step one to destruction. Okay? If they can separate you from the credibility of a leader God put in your life, then they can pick you off and give you a new leader that will lead you right back into bondage. So if we keep reading, we see that God said, I've heard what they've been saying. So Moses, so God's ready to wipe them all off the face of the earth. And he said to Moses, I will create a new people from you. Forget these guys. I can make a whole new nation right from you, Moses. We can start from you. And Moses said, really? Moses was having his conversation with God about these people who wanted to kill him. (laughs) Think about it. Moses is fully aware of what they're doing, but yet he interceded for them. That's the difference between a hireling and a real shepherd. (laughs) Right? And so he's interceding for them and, and giving God an argument, a case, presenting a case as to why if God did that, what it would look like for God. 
And so God said, okay, fine, but these people are not going into the promised land. So anybody that was 20 years and older, so that means only the teenagers and children would get it. Do you see that? 19 and younger would get what God had for them. But they had to wait till the other people died. <laughs> and God set up a, a system where for every day that they spied out the, for 40 days, it would be equivalent to one year that they would spend in the wilderness until the last person died off. Could you imagine being the last one to die? Everybody in the camp's waiting. Are they dead yet? <laughs> yeah, want help? Are they dead yet? Let's help them out. <laughs> no manna for you today. <laughs> These people murmured, grumbled, and complained against God and his leader and was still eating the food God was giving them. Still drinking the water he provided. Still had all the wealth that they plundered the Egyptians of. Do you see how the devil can mess up the business God wants to do with you? And it, but in order to do this, there has to be a new leader picked for your life. This is what I want to point out to you. The devil wouldn't lead you alone. He has to have an influencing partner that he can tell things to that they can tell to you. Because if he gets too close, you'll figure it out soon enough. But when you build relationships with people, it's tougher to break. Because you have a relationship with them. Do you see? So how do we detect, everybody's staring at me today. <laughs> Are you learning what I'm saying? Are you getting what I'm saying? The devil wants your stuff. So he is going to come. He cannot take your stuff without your permission. If the devil could have taken the promised land from the children of Israel without them being able to do anything about it, he would have burned the place down, caused the, 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 you know, the land, the ground to be throw acid on it or something. He, he could have done all those things. So that it stopped producing, so that the, the buildings are gone, so when they go in there, there's nothing. He can't do that. What God has for us is also being protected by God for us. Okay? So these are things you have to know. See, if you go into the relationship you have with God for your future, thinking of it in the same level that you do every other relationship in your life, you're going to miss the mark. And you're going to lose valuable things that God has for your life. Because you are seeing everything from the natural. So here, these reports that came in, they're verifying what God says. Yes, the land is flowing with milk and honey. But here's the thing. We are not capable of acquiring such land. Do you see what it is? It has nothing to do with the truth that God does have this for you. Yes, absolutely. But you can't go take it. They'll beat you up. Do you see the difference? So, so in order for you to maintain your weakness, 
A captain has to be assigned to you to keep you weak so that you can be led somewhere else because God's leading of his people was set up to lead them into the promised land. For the devil to take you in a different direction, he's got to pick another leader for you because Moses wasn't going to take him back. You see this? So here's the question for you. We have ladies in here from, from different places. Here's my question for you. When you go to your church, are you going there with the thought process of getting to where God wants you to be for your particular life and your family line? Or are you going there to pick a little bit of information here, pick a little information there, pick a little... Is there a specific direction that you are heading because you're there? Does that make sense? If you don't have a place, you have to have stability. God gathered all of them in the wilderness. Think about it. God could have freed the Israelites and do a, a good old divide and conquer thing, right? He could have sent them off to different countries. He could have scattered them around. It would have been difficult for the Egyptians to go after them that way, wouldn't it? He literally led them all out together. <laughs> and they were in a wilderness. <laughs> they solely had to depend on him. Did he ever disappoint them? No, never. But what happens in the church today is that people go as a, as a duty, you know, like, I got to do church. And you could miss valuable reasons why and what you should get out of it. Does that make sense? You should have a specific instruction that God's given you for your future and your children's future, your grandchildren's future, your nieces and nephews, the people you're supposed to mentor with your gifts and abilities so the earth isn't void of it when you leave. All those things, there should be a direction for them. You just don't have these gifts for no direction at all. Well, God will pick leaders to put you with so they can help take you there. But if you don't identify them as the one God picked or a group or whatever, another captain will come in and convince you, no, you should go with me. And it doesn't even have to be to another church. It could just be a direction they're taking your life. It could be, oh, no, you don't need to do that. You don't need to, to you know, do this for the volunteer. You don't need to study this subject. You don't need to go back to school. You don't need to do any of these things. No, 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 no. How, why would you think you would ever become that thing, whatever it is God told you you should be, you see? And you follow those voices, and they lead you astray. Do you see? God's leadership system in his body is set up on purpose for us to help us, first of all, after when you if you you should read this saga this was a dramatic thriller <laughs> because they flat out refuse right they 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 convinced everybody they're too weak they are too weak to do this they're going to beat us up and so when they found out that they were wrong and Moses said well for that reason you're going to stay here for 40 years and blah blah 
Oh, no, 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 we can do it, we can do it. Moses said, no, do not go. What do they do? They go. That's what you call rebellious. That's what a rebellious person looks like. It's almost like when somebody's caught, and then they go, okay, give me another chance, give me another chance. I'll fix it, I'll fix it. No, no, you wouldn't. You had many chances, you didn't. You see how this works? But simply, it's a robbery of your time and your effort and your attention. But there's no intention to ever go in the direction you're telling them to go. And such a person is very vulnerable to the enemy taking in another direction. So for your personal life, we're going to apply this to your personal life. Don't get all upset yet. We've got something for you. Okay? The first thing you need to do, and in prayer, you need to do this in prayer. You need to ask God. Ask Holy Spirit who you should listen to. Who has information for your life that you need? Okay? Now, we all know that we have the Holy Spirit in us. If we're, if we're born again believer, we have the Holy Spirit in us. And he is the ultimate voice. But there are people he put on the earth with gifts in them. He's got the fivefold office. God's put the fivefold office in the church, right, to function in the church. He's got people he's got anointings with he, that he's anointed for different things. Those people have revelation from God that we need to hear. So if you are living on the earth to do anything for God, there's going to be people that you have to learn from because God's equipped them to teach you. So first thing is you need to ask him who you should listen to and then ask him if there's anything they asked you to do that you have already rebelled against. Any missed instructions? We're starting clean today, right? Now, I'm going to tell Miss Lisa. <laughs> Miss Lisa works here for us. And in the beginning of her working here, while she's learning her position and what's her place and everything here, as far as God's concerned, as far as what she does for us and everything else, uh, there's room for growth and everything. So she's, go, you know, learning it, leaning on different things. But there's a point where it comes to where whatever I told her to do, she needs to do exactly that. Well, one time she didn't. <laughs> She's pretty good about doing exactly what we say. When we give her specific instructions, it means this is exactly how it needs to be done. But if we say, hey, we're having this, just go ahead, whatever, the, you know, then she could do whatever that her gifting does. But there are some times where things need to be exactly precisely because that's how God told us for it to be done. So I remember giving her instruction and she called me to say, you know, she did it. And then she's telling me all these other things she did with the instruction. I'm thinking to myself, that's not, I precisely did not want you to do those things. That's why I told you to do this part. But I didn't say anything. I'm thinking maybe I missed giving, maybe I didn't, you know. Well, <laughs> she found out <laughs> that she missed that instruction. Now, 
I am fully aware this is why she was having whatever issue she was having. I was fully aware of that. So I said, Lord, you know, I, I would like to call her at least and release her from it or whatever part I need. He said, no, wait. I went, oh, okay. So we're talking about two weeks worth of this intense stuff, right? And here's how the Lord explained it to me. So this is a lesson for you all too. Because of her level of insecurity of herself at that point, this was a while back, if I had corrected her while she was in that state, she would have felt worse and would have gotten worse. Right? So I waited until it leveled off and was almost done. Then I told her. She immediately self-corrected by repentance. That's how we self-correct. To God. And then everything got better, like, quickly after that, right? So lesson learned, right? Lesson learned. The same person this week, eyeglasses melted. Her lens melted. She was fixing a fire at the house and the lens melted. So, So I'm telling all your stories, Lisa. So she, so on Wednesday, right, uh, on Tuesday, Tuesday, right, so she is trying to drive with a little peak at the top that she could see through. So she goes to her eye doctor, and they pull her file because the lady was upset that she had to pull her file, so we know she pulled her file, and said, well, there's really nothing we could do on your um, prescription expired anyway. You need to have a new prescription. As it, you know, like you need to have a new eye appointment as it is. So they didn't have an appointment for two weeks. Two weeks. She's practically walking around. with <laughs> She has no other option. So she, I come in on Tuesday and she's telling me this. So while she's, when, after she left, they called to tell her, oh, something just opened up at 530 this afternoon. Great, I'll be there. So she's telling me this, and she's saying, you know, they have to send out for the lenses, all this, you know, they don't do it in-house, right? They don't do it in-house. I said, you know what? Well, that's unacceptable. I said, you need to have some, they need to give you something when you go to this appointment tonight so you have something in the interim to wear, right? Now, they don't make any lens at their place. So, okay, I think you said okay. You must have agreed, right? Well, she knows not to disagree. So, <laughs> lesson has been learned. So, she went to her 5.30 appointment, and the lady that does that appointment came out to see her, pulled her file out, and out-dropped two lens of her prescription. <laughs> Within out, do you see? So she's wearing her prescription in just frames that they had or whatever. I guess trial frames or something. Oh, they were yours. <laughs> she, Lisa's like, you work here. I. <laughs> so you remember the ministry of angels? We got a lot to learn about the ministry of angels. This will be something great to learn about, right? But this happened to somebody in our church Tuesday night. Tuesday morning, her glasses melted. I came in. I said, that is no. They need to, something needs to be found. Another story, somebody was going to die in the COVID unit, 
and nobody would be able to go see them. And I, so I'm listening to the story, and the story was they wanted to die, and etc. And I said, in the middle of the conversation, I said, nope, that is unacceptable. This was Sunday. They want to die, they're going to have to do it where everybody can be around them, not isolated. That's on them if they want to die. But here's the point. Nobody in this church dies of COVID. <laughs> so the family member said, but they don't come to this church. Nope, but it'll affect you though, because you will be sad about it. So nope, that is unacceptable. Well, I think they ate the other day, right? They're up and at them and they went to got to see them. So I guess they're over COVID. I don't know. Yeah. My point is, when you're hooked up to a place and you listen, you could get a miracle just from listening and obeying an instruction. It is not that hard. <laughs> the devil makes it like you have to work everything up. You, I'm like, seriously? <laughs> this is how God's kingdom works because it is in God's benefit for us to get a clue quick. It is in God's benefit for us to have quick results. Okay? Last week, I had a situation. This is just me. I'm just telling you stories about me. Pastor Doug has his own stories of stuff that happens all the time. My point is, okay, last week, I have another situation, not with the church, but with Blessed Turn Home. So, I'm here. I am nowhere where... Blessed Children Home activity is happening. I literally run Blessed Children Home from Pennsylvania. I have activity in Oklahoma and Guyana, and I'm here. <laughs> okay? So I shut something off. I said, I'm finished now. Have a nice life. I went to the gym. And when I'm at the gym, I remember this precisely because I was on my way to a piece of equipment, and I stopped midway like a ballet dance. <laughs> Just like that. And the Holy Spirit said, you have one more tool in your toolbox that you did not try and you must use it. And I went, okay. So he told me what the tool was and it was a person that he anointed to do something specific. So when I got back from the gym, I contacted that person this was on a Friday, I believe. Yes, it was a Friday, Friday morning. It was last Friday. Yeah, last Friday. So I contacted that person. They did what exactly... That person actually told me they did what I asked them to do out of the order of how they do things. But they said because I was asking, they figured I had a reason that the Holy Spirit wanted it to be done that way. That person, I don't lead that person. I collaborate with them. But they had enough sense to pick up. Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> That's the way to put it. <laughs> Nicely. In other words, they didn't have a judgment against the anointing of God in my life. Here's another clue for you. When another captain is being picked by the devil for your life, the person and people around you will have a judgment against the anointing of the person God put in your life to get you to deliverance. Okay, so I set up this appointment, uh, coordinate everything. Friday afternoon, Friday evening, the action was taken. 
Saturday morning, it was supposed to be a follow-up, but instead of the follow-up, the person decided to, uh, to cancel the appointment with a lie of why they couldn't. There's the first clue. Okay. So then um, I inquired, you know, I noticed that you did this, blah, blah, blah. And they said, I would prefer to speak with people I understand, but thank you for your efforts. Well, that just ticked me off. <laughs> because if you know me, I don't get ticked off often, but when I do, you have just pulled my flesh into something that could, did not re- require my flesh. You pull my flesh into it, you're going to have to deal with what the flesh dishes out. But anyway, that's beside the point. So... <laughs> So it was a trigger word effort. Thank you for your efforts. Like I was some little, you know, whatever. Okay, so whatever. So I said, okay. They said they prayed about it and the Holy Spirit told them that they should go to their people they know and talk. And I said, these were my last, I said, funny that the Holy Spirit hasn't told you about your lying and abuse. But hey. So what I did was I gave that appointment to the person they were abusing for the next day. That person had the appointment and poof, their whole whole world opened up. Like, boom. Because that person was still thinking that there's some good left in this person, some good. When they got that appointment the next day, boom, their text to me was, you know what? I am done. Okay, by Monday, was it Monday? Yeah, so what happened is this other person went and reported me to higher authority, the person from the day before that didn't like what I did, because, the, because this person I hooked them up with exposed what they were doing, exposed themselves to themselves. So they went and did the spiritual thing and reported me to higher authority. So that report opened it up for them to be exposed in front of all the highest authorities. And now the highest authorities was, were, were working, are now working with me to establish a release for the person they were abusing. And I would have had to do all that legwork myself to get them to understand what's going on. But because they went themselves, they set up the appointment. I didn't even have to do a thing. immediately when the people found out from the person being abused, because now it required a meeting with the person being abused because they were supposed to reconcile. Instead of me, I'm trying to rip them apart is what the report is, but they need to reconcile. Well, within hours, so by Monday or two, whatever, Friday, I don't know what it was, took a couple days, the person that was being abused was released. So here, I've told Miss Nadine this, Miss Nadine was the first person I ever worked with in an abusive relationship, right? And everyone since then, the, the person being abused is always the one to have to leave. And I said, there's something wrong with this picture. The devil is supposed to run from us, not us run from the devil. Like, this is unacceptable to me. <laughs> this case broke that because the person who was operating as the abuser had to come get their stuff and get. And I went, yes! 
We just broke something wide open, but it, it required the participation of the people involved. The person I helped had to listen to what I had to say and follow the instructions. Because during these critical moments, it is your life is, is at stake here. And so you can't be hesitating. Well, should I listen? Should I not? I don't know what to do. If the devil can get you to put doubt in your heart against the person he asked to lead you out of something, you have lost. Because every time they tell you something to do, you will question them and go ask 50 people if you should do it. And you will never get to where you need to go because of missing one instruction. And I'm not telling you this so everybody start following me. Because like I said, there's a mixture of people in the room. But you need to know. You need to ask question number one and follow up with question number two and get it right. Because your life could be a mess because you simply are not following instructions. So if you go into numbers, I think it's 15 or 25. I always forget which five it is. You'll see the story of the sons of Korah. Well, there's a group that was thinking they could do this. <laughs> okay, let me just give you a heads up. The last time I taught on the sons of Korah was many years ago. It's, okay, number 16. Uh, so I, I was in the kitchen. I got all the ladies in the kitchen. I was so, yeah, so things had happened. So I, I, I set my, uh, my authority up. I say, okay, let me, let me explain something to you. And I taught what happened to the sons of Korah. A woman got up, ran to the bathroom. Somebody went to check on her, and she started throwing up. And she said, this is the weirdest thing. I have not thrown up since I was a little child. She was like in her 60s at this point, or maybe 70s. And she came back as calm as ever. Do you know what just happened? A demon came out of her. (laughs) As I am establishing my authority and explaining what happens to those who rebel against God's leadership. And I know why that happened to her, because she was dwelling in a house where they were talking bad about me. It's not that I'm all that. It's that I'm submitted to be who God asked me to be. And when somebody does that, you need to be careful. Because God watches out for them. And all that people are, all that we're trying to do is to help you get to the points that God already set up for you. We can't take it from you, and we can't do it for you. It's yours. You get to take it. We're not trying to rob you. Another captain is, though. (laughs) And here's the thing. They don't even get the stuff themselves. The devil just destroys it. You just never get it. It's not like they're going to get it. But the devil makes them feel powerful that they convince somebody to do something. Do you see how this works? So I'm telling you stories that just happened in the last two weeks. So now I have a free person who just got rid of abuse and is learning how to make decisions for themselves, asking me questions along the way. And I'm seeing freedom come like that. Do you see how this works? And from her obedience, two other people are getting free from the same instruction. One ran, one put themselves in bondage because of the same, the same instruction. 
And three people are getting free. One already got free and two more are working. You understand what I'm saying? This is like, you got to see, like when God tells me to do something, I don't question it. I don't ever question it. Like I don't even ask a single question about it. I simply figure out how I can make it work in my schedule. Or, you know, and if, if I have a question, it's more like, is this what you mean? Like, is this, how you were, is this what you wanted me to do? Or is there something else? Those are my questions. <laughs> Not why. Why me, Lord? That's pride. Like you think you're that low that, and God picked you. Oh, my. Tell me something good about myself, God, so I can feel better. So I can, That's really what you're saying. <laughs> right? Isn't that pride? God has to butter you up to say something to you. Doug and I were discussing the other day, um, oh, Valentine's Day, we were discussing this. We were at lunch, and I was saying, you know, the thing about marriage is we should, nobody should be working on their marriage. Who wants to work on marriage? Like I've already discussed it. We've already taught this. When, you should be working on yourself and bring something to the marriage. That's what you submit to the marriage. The Bible actually says submit to one another. When you show up to submit, what are you bringing? What is being submitted? To the marriage. Are you developing yourself by following the instructions of God of who you should be? So when you show up to your spouse to bring something to the marriage, it actually lifts both of you up and takes you to places that you couldn't get by yourself. If you consider that working on marriage, okay. But really... The marriage is just there. Like, what are you going to do? Like, twiddle your thumbs? I don't know what you work on a marriage about. You have to work on yourself. (laughs) Because when you get married, you don't all of a sudden lose all the things that God wanted you to do. And now you got some new things to do in the marriage. It's a combination of the two. It should be more powerful. Right? But not less like you're losing something. I mean, I have to work this marriage thing out because I am one of these women like I could care less. And God had to make me care. And because I, I could just work. I, could, I was in the kitchen the other day, a couple of weeks, months ago. And the people who were close to me, I told them about this. Like this whole big revelation came to me. Are you guys okay? Are we good? And I'm thinking, and I'm like, you know, I have these degrees. I'm finishing up my doctorate. Like, yeah, I'm this age, you know, and I'm doing this whole thing in my head. And the Lord stops me and says, you know, If you didn't get married at 23, you would have never gotten married. I went, huh. He said, but I needed you to get married at 23 because I needed you to have your children because the two children I needed to have business and ministry in them. I went, oh, yeah. Hmm. And they do. Oh. Because he said, if you had gone like everybody, think about this, I graduated with my master's in business. Okay, an MBA, 25 years later, I would have been making a lot of money with an MBA, right? Because I would have 25 years of experience. So I know I would have been the CEO somewhere. That's just who I am. I would have just been, right? Because I would have put all my time into it. I would have put all, you know, everything that you need to do to do that in the world system. And the Lord showed me. That yes, because I have the gift and the ability in me, that would have occurred, but I would have been out of his will because I would have flipped it. 
I would have flipped the timing of his, of his plans for my life. That is after. He, that didn't go away. That's why the desire was in me. It never went away. The timing of it is where you have to ask God when. You see? Because if I had started with the big corporate job, I would have never gotten married. Because I would have been all into that. Right? So because I got married right out of grad school, God knew exactly what he was doing. If he had given me a taste of that, I would have been (laughs) bye-bye. And I said to God, but I would have wanted to have sex. He said, yes, you would have sinned is what you would have done. And then you would have repented. And I went, yep, you know, I exactly is what I would have done. That's exactly what I would have done. I would have totally sinned. And then just repent. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, that's just the conversations I have with God. Sorry if it offends anybody, but that's the con- But here's the thing. What God did for me that day was to give me hope that nothing was lost, Right? I didn't lose ground in corporate America because I didn't put in all the time and the experience that you would do to build yourself up. Not at all. I did his assignment exactly how he created me to do it. And so what he's opening to me will be open based on his glory. He gets the glory out of it because nobody else could. I sure couldn't. But he'll get the glory out of it. Do you see? It's impor- If you can't listen to the humans God put around you, It will be difficult to know that it's God speaking to you when he's talking to you directly because you would question him too. God makes it so easy for us. He actually puts people that we see that would give us... And it doesn't mean a leader in your life and they have to tell you everything you do. I'm just saying anybody that he sends with a message that he has ordained, you need to importantly listen to it and, and, and have this check between you and God. But if it's somebody that you're submitting to, period... Under their leadership, it should be a given. If you can't follow their instructions, you should not be under their leadership. That's your first problem. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? And so, but God wouldn't tell me the things for the people that I'm not responsible for. He would tell me things for those I'm responsible for. Except those people that inbox me on Facebook every now and then. Well, often. (laughs) But they go to other churches but they want my advice. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? All right. So who you should listen to, any missed instructions, and then ask him what's next. Because this is the moving on part. You have to ask this question without fear. You should not have to punish yourself for anything. Like, Jesus paid for this stuff. You just need to make a decision to accept it. That's it. You can't like, but the devil always brings in punishment. Because you were bad, because you did this, because you didn't do that. When I, I, my favorite verse for a long time, it probably still is, I guess I'm not as bad as I used to be, but <laughs> was, his mercies are new every morning. I love that verse. Because I'm like, seriously, I could have so messed up yesterday. 
I could have been totally rebellious against God yesterday. I wake up this morning and say, God, please have mercy on my soul. <laughs> His mercies are new every morning. Of course, it's not a practice for me to be rebellious. I don't know when I was rebellious against God. Honestly, it had to be like I didn't know or didn't hear him or something. But as soon as he brings it back, man, I'm like, oh, sorry, I missed it. I'm on it. But God will do practice runs with us. It's not like he expects you to be perfect the first time he speaks. He knows we can't see him. (laughs) Right? But we sure are benefiting from somebody who we can't see, don't we? We sure have a lot of benefits, and then we say, well, we're not sure if it's God asking us to do something. Really? Well, you've been enjoying the air pretty good. How about, you know, how about your body functioning? Like, you know, all them cells and stuff? Like, he's the one who did that? You're having a blast, aren't you? (laughs) But you're just not sure he's the one asking you to do something? Like, how does that work? All your cells in your body hears him saying, multiply, feed her. All your cells are listening to what he's saying, but you can't hear him? That means there's interference somewhere, right? That's what you have to arrest. So John chapter 10 is your verse for that. John chapter 10, meditate on that thing. Declare that you are his sheep and another voice you won't answer. The devil should be so frustrated because every captain he sends to you fails. This is how it should go. They should be screaming when they hear your name is the assignment. Like it should echo through the halls of hell or wherever they have their conferences, the bottom of the Indian Ocean. But (laughs) do you know what I'm saying? They should shriek and make all kinds of rebellious sounds to not have you as an assignment. This is what should happen because your record is a, is a K&O. All you knock out and they're zero. This is what should happen. And even worse, if you come from a fam- family line that's been doing that. I mean, that's even worse. <laughs> My dad did quite a few knockouts. And the enemy would know that. You see? Don't inherit and behave on the, the, uh, your family genealogy and how they all turned out. Don't listen to the familiar spirit of lies to say, you're heading in that same direction. Really? I think you're the one that's heading that way, not me. <laughs> I'm on a different road here. Right? And the louder the enemy has to get your attention, that means he ain't that close. <laughs> if they got to give you multiple phone calls, set up multiple meetings with you, send you multiple letters of pleadings, and like try to talk to you 50 million times to convince you to do something, they are not that close. They're, you, they've been pushed back, and they're trying to get back in. You getting something? So the whole point of tonight is identify what captains are being prepped to take you out of the wilderness back to Egypt, not into the promised land. 
if you're living in the promised land now, fantastic, which we should all be. But the enemy would want to come in there too and rob you because now you clean the place up nice. It looks really good. You're doing well for your life. We need to disrupt this somehow. Yeah. The enemy doesn't want anybody to enjoy life. And the way he will disrupt your life is through relationships. He, he's not gonna, a demon isn't going to just show up and tell you, you, you'll kick him out. But if a relationship is developed and the whole poor me, empathy, I need help, you're the only one that can help me, that's a lie from hell. <laughs> right? I, those things make me disgusted. <laughs> it doesn't make me feel good at all. Right? Because it's God that helps us. Right? And he could choose any of his servants that are available at any time to do the the thing. Don't come try to butter me up. (laughs) You see? So you have to live a no-nonsense life where God's instructions are followed exactly. It is not veered from. And whoever God asks you to be under... Listen to them. Do you know, like a, a pastor was saying that one day he was preparing a sermon. And he was on this, mat, and he's a very well-known minister that has been preaching for years. And he was sharing that he was just like stuck. Like he was on this verse and he couldn't get any revelation on it. And the Lord was saying, there's more there and you need to get it. And he's like, but Lord, and then the Lord says, go ask your wife. So she's in the kitchen or somewhere and he goes and asks her, hey, did the Lord show you anything about this verse? She goes, no, not really. He goes, okay. So he goes back. He says, Lord, I thought so. <laughs> like, she don't know anything either, right? He's having this conversation. So about five minutes later, she comes back. She comes in the office. She goes, come to think about it. Da, 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 and gives him, all, gives him an entire sermon, <laughs> which was profound and had great results. And what the Lord showed him was she was his helper. So God went to her to give her stuff, to give to him, just to kind of like wake up the relationship a little bit, to remind him how this thing works. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? So we have to be careful. The relationship God puts in our lives, he will work through them to help us, you know. Me in my unrenewed mind would want to just be by myself and do my own thing. But thank God he came into my life at a very young age to help me not be that way. <laughs> Because we need each other. You know, when, when we first came to this church, this year would be 20 years. Anyway, when we first came to this church, it was profoundly difficult. And one day, a guest speaker was here. The Lord reminded me of that today. So maybe I need to tell you so that it's for somebody, right? A guest speaker was here. Well, this guest speaker was known to the previous pastor. So Doug invited them. And I was walking outside with them before the service, I think. It was really early. And showing them they wanted to see the plate, you know, the grounds or whatever. And I remember as I'm walking with him, he looks at and he whispers. He was extremely taller than me. And he says, you know, haven't you guys ever thought of just giving this up? You both have degrees in business. You could go get jobs like in a second and I thought I looked at him I said let me explain something to you 
just like that. I refuse to give Hagar my promised child. Thank you. <laughs> because he was saying to me, if you just say to Doug, like, this is too much, he would, I mean, you guys both have degrees, he would know what to do. That's when it reaffirmed for me, this is a gift from God. Why would I give it to the devil through throwing in the towel? There's no towel to throw. We're just cleaning house, <laughs> right? We need all the towels to do that. <laughs> I'm throwing one in, <laughs> right? But do you see how the enemy works? And, and listen, the enemy will tell you the assets you have that you could run with. Because truthfully, we could have quit and just go get big jobs in corporate America and make lots of money. But I just stood up. I mean, it just came from inside of me. I said, ha, huh, I refuse to give to Hagar <laughs> my promised child. <laughs> and that shut it up right there. Which is funny because our tagline is uh, inheriting God's promises and experiencing our benefits in Galatians 3.29, which has to do with Abraham and the, being an heir. Like, oh, well, looky there. <laughs> so... <laughs> So we have, to, we have to look at these things, right? And don't just bypass them. You know, when the news is on and somebody's speaking and they lean into the camera, just go ahead and do it. Yeah, that's when you know, oh, really? <laughs> For a different subject. But my point is, listen to the Holy Spirit tell you what to do and somebody will be there to give you more instructions. Remember the... Uh, it was it Elijah or Elisha? It was Elijah with the lady whose son died. And he, um, she said, all is well, all is well. And she went and got him and he came and laid on top of the child and breathed into him and everything else. She followed the instructions. And her son came back to life. It is, these things are critical. Yes, we have free will. That's why we can choose to follow the instructions. <laughs> and we can choose not to. Right? So you have to use your free will properly. Guard it with all your heart. You make decisions for your free will. Don't have people, you know, manipulate you into making decisions. My message tonight is not to tell everybody to come follow me. No. Thank you. <laughs> Whoever God asks you to follow, listen to them. As a matter of fact, when I do coaching, Somebody comes to pay me money to coach through my business. The first thing I tell them is, if you are going to coach with me, you have to do what I say. Otherwise, it's worse than if you didn't come to me at all. Because then the instructions will come out of my mouth, and then you'll decide if you want to or not, and then now we're in trouble. Because I don't know your solution until I talk to you, and then the Lord will give it to me, but are you going you know, to do it? If, not, if you're still iffy, let's not do this. Because it's worse for you. You see how this works? So what are you going to do? Three things. Who you should listen to, any missed instructions, and what's next. It, easy, right? Any questions? Let's close it and then I'll answer your questions. Father, we thank you for tonight. I thank you, Lord, for your word that goes forth with power and authority. I thank you that you instruct us in all things, that we are your sheep, we can hear your voice, and another voice we will not follow we protect ourselves tonight father from the frequencies of the enemy 
And we actually say, let those frequencies bounce back on the enemy and cause high alarm systems to be heard in them, not us. We have a free and clear, we have a Psalm 23 experience with you, Father, at all times. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.